Welcome to Rebel Radio, the place to be for entrepreneurs who are hungry for impact and doing business their own way. I'm Cindy Van Arnhem, your rebellious leader for the healers and coaches willing to do what it takes to activate their limitless wealth through the power of self-mastery. The key to claiming your potential, trusting your wisdom, and creating infinite possibility in your world. I am so excited to dive into yet another epic Rebel Radio conversation with my new friend, John Davis. We've just met again. I'm bringing on strangers onto the show, which I absolutely love. It's a great way to get to know people. John, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here today. Oh, I'm very excited because I truly consider myself a rebel. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) We're going to get a little bit rebellious. So before we went live, I was sharing a little bit about your numerology with you, which was super exciting. And I'm curious, what was something that really landed for you or stood out for you with what I shared? Uh, one of the things you said was that uh, I like to um, deliver the message, I, I don't know exactly how you said it, of, of love and that <laughs> e- the expression and that vibration of love. That to me is my entire mission in life. Uh, uh, after my, my experience, which I can share in a minute what that was, but um, I literally have discovered that, that love is the number one creative force of everything. Yeah. And it's by our own fears that we limit it. And so when I teach, uh, even in corporations, I teach the concepts of positive and negative being polarities, but in my own belief system, it's love and fear. Yes, absolutely. So let's dive into that mission for life because you are the corporate action hero. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about how you got here and what your story is because I'm very curious about your background. Well, when I was a young man, I really wanted to be a stunt man and a fight director and do sword fights for a living. I, I literally wanted to wear tights and live in the woods and swing from trees and do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love and, uh, it. <laughs> and, and what eventually happened was I got dragged to a Renaissance festival, which was kind of cool. And I, I met two of the top fight directors in the world who gave me all their training for free. And um, I was going for my black belt in Taekwondo. I was getting, I was big and buff, and I, I had long Fabio hair in those days, as opposed to this Telly Savalas thing I got going on now. <laughs> and um, what happened was, at 22 years old, I, I was asked to, uh, fronted by a friend, to help him unload his van. He was a professional potter, and he had boxes of clay in his van. They were 80 pounds each. And I, to me, I was so strong and buff, and like I was really, I was like, this is just one more workout. And I went out to his house and I picked up the first box inside the van and I turned to set it outside of the box and my spine split in two. Oh and my I, gosh. I collapsed and was paralyzed. Um, they took me to the hospital. They said, uh, uh, Mr. Davis, you have spina bifida occulta. I said, Gesundheit. <laughs> 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 I had no idea what that was, of course. Uh, <laughs> Basically, three vertebrae never formed properly at birth, and at the, with the extra weight and the twisting action, I literally disconnected the top half of my spine from the lower half of my spine. Oh, my gosh. And um, the doctor said, I, we don't know if you're ever going to walk again, or uh, if you do walk again, we, you're definitely never going to have a physical career. Mm-hmm. And while I was lying in that hospital bed, a buddy of mine came in and gave me a book. And if you think about it, when you look at when you look back at it, it looks like a cruel joke. But he he gave me a book called The Tao of Jeet Kune Do by Bruce Lee. So, mm. so he gave the martial artist who was just told he to never do martial arts again a book about martial artists by the greatest martial artist that ever lived. Gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. 
What I discovered, however, is that book was written when Bruce Lee was in traction in the hospital and had just been told he'd never do martial arts again. Oh. And, and that book is a, his philosophy on martial arts. But what I found in there was some fascinating things. One of them was about being very present, staying in the very present moment. And the other one was uh, mental flexibility. When adversity hits, you have to not get invested in the adversity, get invested in the outcome you're, you're striving towards. And so I started working my body from the neck down, piece by piece. And within a month, I had, I had actually flexed my hips, which was below my injury. Mm. And about a month and a half later, I was up and walking around. And at a year, I was back to what we would call a basic normal. You know, I wasn't back to my rock hard masculine self by any stretch of the <laughs> But uh, by uh, a year and six months, I was back to that rock hard masculine self. And I... I gave myself a gift. I climbed up on top of a tower, a three-story tall tower, and I jumped off into a fall pad. And I went on to do over 4,000 live comedy sword fighting stunt shows all over the world, including the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan on six USO tours. I have climbed Mount Sinai. I have swam in the River Jordan. I have uh, <laughs> I've hung out in Buddhist temples. I have gone to Machu Picchu. I've, I've been all over the world, 30 countries, and I've done everything I've ever wanted to do ever since just oh. because I understood the principles. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's such a powerful story. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with us. And one of the things that you said that really stood out to me, this is something that I always talk about too, is instead of focusing on what you don't want, focus on what you do want. And that, I mean, that takes you to a whole new level of self mastery to learn how to walk again. Oh yeah. Well, you think about this, you only have one moment. You only literally have one moment. Your past is just a collection of present moment memories that give you a subconscious belief. And your future is just a place where you set goals for your next present moment. But the only time you have thought, word, and deed, which are the creative aspects of self, is your present moment, your I am moment. You know? And when you break it out of, of uh, positives and negatives, you just break it down to what are you doing in this moment, it's your thought. You know, Buddha says what you think you become, you create your world. Krishna said you were the culmination of your thought. Gandhi said you must be the change you want to see in the world. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Jesus said, uh, whatever, whatever you ask in God's name is granted, but Moses said God's name was I am. Yeah. And I am is a present moment thought. Even, even the word amen, most people don't realize, they ask them what, what it means, they don't know what it means, they just think it means amen, right? Well, amen means so be it, means right here, right now, done. Yeah. And so that concept of being very, very present. See, the, the, the problem is, you talked about the focusing on positive or negative. Our subconscious mind has two jobs. The number, the number one is collecting those present moment memories and having that belief. Number two is to show you what you're focused on. Because yep. you know, if you ever notice a negative person, they always have something to be negative about. Because mm-hmm. that, that's what they're focused on, right? Exactly. Right, right, right. Where your energy, go, where your focus goes, energy flows, right? Right, right. And think about yeah. that. Think about that. There. So you're focused on negative. So the, you're seeing negative because that's what you're focused on. Now those are creating a negative present moment, which is getting stacked in your subconscious belief. Mm-hmm. You're in a never-ending treadmill of negativity. You're just creating more and more and more of it. Right. The only yeah. way you break. The only way you break that is to. And this is going to sound weird be born again, right? You, ha- you have to literally set down the past and start stacking new present moments that are in alignment with what's, what you want to see. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I always say, you know, we're creating our own reality. And if we're making it all up anyway, we may as well make it really fucking good. Right. Yeah. I mean, why, 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 why make reality suck? Right. right? <laughs> it doesn't make any uh, sense. I don't know anybody in the world who wakes up in the morning and says, boy, I'm going to make today suck. <laughs> This is gonna be. This is gonna be yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna suffer all damn day long. It's gonna be great. <laughs> well, you, and you know what's really funny is is in my studies of spirituality, uh, one of the things that I always find ridiculous is uh, everyone when they talk about Buddhism, they talk about the the main number one phrase they always come up with is life is suffering. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting about that to me, and in my studies, this was just so fascinating. You know, you know, that was translated from the language known as Pali. And Pali is a conceptual language, not a literal language. English is a literal language. Mm-hmm. And so when they said a word, it had a larger concept than just a literal meaning. Mm. Now, when they translated it to English, it came out with three translations. And the first, the first of the translations is pain or suffering. So life is pain or suffering. But the second translation was habitual response. And the third one was um, basically subconscious belief. It was, it was a belief from experience. Right. And so when you take the concept as a whole, it basically says life is pain and suffering because of our habitual response from our subconscious mind. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, fascinating, right? Right. <laughs> and I was like, it, that that says it right there, and that's why Buddhists meditate because they're setting down their subconscious belief. Yeah. They're they're quieting their mind of that junk that's in their past, mm-hmm. and they're creating something new and exciting. Yeah, creating something new and exciting. I love it. I love or, it. As they say on the love boat, exciting and new. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so good. So obviously, with your life story and everything that you've gone through and discovered about yourself, there's a deep level of self-mastery there. And I'm curious because that's a very subjective topic. I mean, how do you define self-mastery? So I'm curious what it means to you. Well, mastery is a fascinating topic for me because I don't. I think mastery is is a misnomer because mastery. It basically denotes that you have the the all of the skill set of one basic function, right? So I have all this stuff. But the reality of it is, is life is motion. Life is constantly in flux. And the people who are true masters are the ones who are continually expanding and growing their their skill set, their knowledge, and moving forward. Because what happens is people get up to what they call mastery, and they'll stop. I'm a master now. I don't have to do anymore. (laughs) Right. And we're done here. Right. And then somebody's going to come along that's going to add something new. Like for me, I'm a martial artist. I do nunchucks, right? Now, in my corporate speeches, I use nunchucks as a, as a metaphor for flexibility. Mm. But, but the cool part is, <laughs> the cool part is, I can't look like the basic nunchaku guy. I got like, like, to look like somebody who's doing the really cool stuff. So I spend hours on my back deck making up new stuff. I'm one of the guys, I do nunchucks with my feet. Right? No and way. I, well, yeah, yeah. I actually catch it on my hook, throw it up my hand, do all kinds of stuff, wrap it around my neck, let it slide down my arm. I do all these crazy things with nunchucks. Nice. Now, why? Why did I, why was I able to do that? Because I didn't limit myself to what was in the book. I kept, I started doing experimentation and improvisation, and I started creating new things. A master is someone who not only learns the entire thing, but adds to it and keeps it moving mm. forward. Oh, I like that. 
That was good. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Oh. I practiced that one. <laughs> See, mastery. I'm just more to it. I, I did a whole it. I did a whole video on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So one of the other topics that we love at Rebel Radio that we talk about all the time, because I'm a wealth activator, is the word wealth. Again, another subjective topic. It means something different to everybody. Absolutely. What does wealth mean to you? Wealth, yeah, it, it, we can drop into the, the, the tropes, the, the abundance, the success. They all mean wealth to me. But all of those words mean one thing. It means freedom. Yeah. Um, and freedom to me means I'm free to live where I want to live. I'm free to put my son in the school that I wanted to go to. I'm free to, you know, not worry about bills. I'm free. Yeah. yeah. And I know a lot of people who have who have set a monetary number on what wealth was and gotten to that number and have been miserable. Yep. And but I know also know people who are like, well, I don't want to ever have debt, and I go live in the woods and I have nothing, but I'm happy, right? right. And they're free, and they're free, right? Yeah. So I believe they're extremely wealthy because and successful because they're living free, right? Yeah. <clears throat> when I look at, at some of the, like I know a guy <laughs> in my old hometown, there's a pizza place. And, and I'm not going to say the name because I don't want him to sue me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, but he, um, he continued to grow his company. It like grew a massive company. But he was always terrified of getting married mm. or, or meeting someone who, and marrying someone because he was always afraid they were going to steal his money. Wow. What a right? story to go through life with. What a horrible thing, right? You know, you know I, I, getting married is one of the greatest things you can do. I know. They call me Triple X because I have three of them. <laughs> right? right? You know? So, I mean, and, and I, I, I learned something great from every one of them. One, uh, the number one thing I learned from all three of my, my exes is this. Never give up yourself. Mm. Because yeah. that's what I would do. I would, we would get into a relationship. They would like me. We would get together. They'd try to change me. I'd change for them. And then they didn't like the new guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I'm like, never change yourself. Be you. If you want someone to love you for you, you have to be you. you can't yeah. And you have to love you. yourself, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I love that. I love that. So good. So as an entrepreneur and being out in the corporate world, I'm curious what one truth you would share with our entrepreneur audience of how to do this thing. No one will value you or your service unless you value yourself first. Yes. Okay. Uh, right. So I, uh, I, when I became a, a, I was, I did my comedy show all over the world, hack and slash. It was, you know, comedy, sword fighting, me wearing tights, doing all that stuff. I love it. I when, I when, I, when I decided, you shouldn't find it on YouTube. Search, search hack and slash Renaissance Festival. You'll find it. All right. It and um, when you look at uh, me shifting from that to corporate speaking, now why did I do that? I wanted my my back injury taught me a lot of amazing things about how to hack our fight or flight response how to get out of our, our own self-limiting beliefs and move forward and i wanted to share that in the one place where people were limited the most which is in the corporate world and so <laughs> that's why i shifted but you know for 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 me um the the concepts of of getting out of my own way and valuing myself i had to figure out how to how to do that so i started saying okay how do i now how do I now value myself or how will these corporations value me? And so, of course, for me, I looked at the whole thing as it's just another script that I'm going to learn. Right. You know, my, my speeches have whips and nunchucks and real huge empowerment pieces. I have, a, I have one part in one of my speeches where I bring somebody up on stage and in under five minutes, they learn to crack whips and take targets out of my hand. Okay, I'm coming to one of your speeches because I've <laughs> always wanted to learn how to crack a whip. Oh, so easy. You know, it's, it, it's just like fishing. 
When you, you if you're not a cast a fishing rod, I can get you to cast a. I can get you to crack okay. a weapon in I minutes. I know how to fly fish. In minutes, I can get you to do that. Minutes. Yeah. Um, okay, as soon as the world opens up, I'm coming to see you speak. Uh, all right, it's, that's all right. the best. That's the best. <laughs> so, so here I am. So I so I decided I'm good. You know, to be successful as a speaker, you have to have your material worked out. So I contacted every every uh, uh, chamber of commerce within 100 miles of my house, and I gave them a whole bunch of free speeches just to work the material out. Mm-hmm. Got the speech. Well, I discovered very quickly that you know free speeches will yield you one thing opportunities for more free speeches right. <laughs> right so i so i added a fee and i my fee went from like like uh zero to a thousand dollars and i went and started doing thousand dollar speeches and those thousand dollar speeches started yielding me more thousand dollar speeches yeah and then three weeks later i upped my fee to five thousand dollars and it went and i started getting five that now i do ten thousand dollar speeches and and the moment it was that was very empower empowering to me was when I up from five thousand to ten thousand, because I was I was booking dates like crazy. You know they they want the motivational speaker with the whip, right? Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> um, um, so I I I uh, I the first person I said that ten thousand dollars to, I was you know I already sent them a proposal, so they already knew what my fee was. And every person who sell, who you're talking to tries to figure out you if they can knock you down. And they say, and what's your fee again? Even though they, they absolutely know what your fee is, right? Mm-hmm. They go, and what's your fee again? And I said, I am a $10,000 speaker. Yeah. That's it. And that was, that was empowering, right? Right. But, but your product or service is not valued unless you put value on it. As a $1,000 speaker, I was treated like I was a, a server mm-hmm. in their lunch. As a $10,000 speaker, I get picked up by limos. I get flown there in first class. I... I'm giving gifts. I'm fed meals. I'm driven around. I'm, you know, I, it's it's like being a rock star, yeah. Because they they put money out, so they're seeing value in it, which I find yeah. fascinating. Because the the psychiatrists who do pro bono work say that it's always less effective than the ones who yeah. paid them for the service. You gotta have some skin in the game, right? You don't have any value, right? Yeah. Ugh, so good, so good. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I would, it'd be like, great. I'd love it. It's been an amazing conversation. Um, but I want to thank you for being on the show, John, and I'd love to have you back for another episode. Anytime. But always, we end the show with one last question. What do you dream of for the world? What do I dream of for the world? I dream of a world of true equality. I think mm-hmm. that we need to stop putting labels on each other and, and dropping the labels and being truly equal. I, I've watched in my life how people get marginalized and pushed aside, cast aside. And, you know, for those of us, I'm a, I'm a white male. You know, for me, I have privilege because I'm a white male. And white males need to start realizing that we're all equal and start, start recognizing the moments around you where people are cringing because of your color or race or, yeah. or the way you might be. Can I, do I have enough time for a real short story? Absolutely. Please do. Yeah. Okay, I was driving back home from the beach. I lived, I, my hometown is Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, but I was driving back to Ohio, and I was on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and I pulled into a rest stop because my son had to use the restroom. Mm-hmm. I did not. So I pulled in there, I dropped him off, and I pulled around. I was in my Jeep. I had my top off, the doors off. You know, we're like one of those guys. <laughs> right? And I drive around to the back of the parking lot, and I found a shady spot because it was summertime. It was hot. I decided to pull into that spot. As I'm pulling in, I see, I see two black men standing in the shade. And I, as I'm pulling in with my jacked-up Jeep with the big tires and the whole bit, I see them cringe. Mm. 
I literally see them cringe. And I stop the Jeep and I say, do you gentlemen mind if I share your shade? Oh. And, and what happened was they both exhaled. Yeah. You see, the interesting thing about the exhale is this. When we get into a fear response, the first thing we do is we go, oh, and we gasp for air, right? Mm -hmm. Most people don't think they can breathe. Well, the reason they don't think they can breathe is not because they can't get air. It's because they can't exhale. That's because they can't exhale, right? Their body is saving air so they can run further and faster, just like the gazelle that gets killed on the, the National Geographic shows. Yeah. And actors on Broadway are literally trained that if they forget their lines on stage, they're literally trained to exhale, relax all their muscles, and all their lines rush back into their head. Mm-hmm. Right? We need to, everybody needs to just look at the differences and exhale. Yeah. And then say, okay, they're, they're equal. I have had... I have traveled all over the world. I've been to Egypt, and when I was in Egypt, I was treated like a prince everywhere I went because I treated everybody equally and with respect and love. Yeah. And after a, a uh, 20 days in, in Egypt, I ran into a, the, my first other American. He said, hey, are you American? I said, yeah, I am. He says, have you been having problems since you've been here? I said, no, everybody's treating me. He said, everywhere I go, people want to fight me. <laughs> Five minutes later, I wanted to kick that guy's ass. <laughs> Right, <laughs> he was he was a jackass, right? Right. I, I, I was like, I was like, he was putting that out in the world. We all need yeah. to start putting out equality, mm -hmm. and 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 stop writing barriers and and labeling ourselves, and just let's all label ourselves as humans without barriers. Yes, that's oh what I hope gosh. for the world. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me as well. And and go out there in the world, the rest of you, and be rebels. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another epic episode of Rebel Radio. If you feel so inspired and you wish to help out another entrepreneur, share this episode out, leave a review. And of course, if you want to know how to leverage this information, visit my website, cindyvanarnum.com, and where you can discover who you are, what you want, and how to get it. Thanks for joining us, and I'll see you next week.